Hello, Milwaukee Bucks fans. You are listening to the Bucks and Six podcast. My name is Steven Dorf, and alongside me is my co-host, Hershey Winkleman. You can check us out on social media. We're on Instagram and Twitter at Bucks and Six, FFSN, as well as Facebook at Milwaukee Bucks, FFSN. Joining us on today's show is Andy Dorf from Dorf on Sports. Andy, before we dabble with the uh, conference finals, we uh, were talking about the Milwaukee Bucks coaching net that they casted very wide net and it turns out the bucks have now come up with uh top three candidates that they've narrowed it down to that being nick nurse adrian griffin assistant of the raptors and then kenny atkinson who's the assistant of the warriors uh we just want to hear your thoughts on the three remaining coaches first and foremost as always fellas great to join you and chop it up and talk uh, obviously milwaukee bucks and the rest of the NBA playoffs, which are insane. Oh, can't wait to get to that. Um, yeah, man, I think we've already discussed these guys, quite frankly, for the most part, at least Nick Nurse and Kenny Atkinson. We did talk about those couple of candidates. And uh, ultimately, I, I really think this decision comes down to what does the future look like? And what I mean by that is, do we see a future that potentially – could have Giannis not with the Milwaukee Bucks. Could we potentially see a future that Chris Middleton or Drew Holiday could be gone even sooner, right? Like Brooke Lopez. There, there's so much uncertainty. So quite frankly, I really feel like this is something they got to get right. Um, in my humble opinion, I would say I'm leaning toward the two guys of Kenny Atkinson and Nick Nurse, um, at least in my head. I understand the assistant coach is there as well. Um, from from the Golden State War, I'm sorry, from Toronto. But but in a, in a sense, like, think about that. I think the guy to take in that case would, would be Nick Nurse, right? I mean, I understand the, the thought process, but but truth be told, who did he get his tutelage from? So I feel like Nick Nurse and Kenny Atkinson, to me, those are the guys. Like they, they have, like you said, chosen to narrow it down to three guys. But, but I, I really think it's a, a two-headed monster more so than anything. And, and quite frankly, I think, I'm, I think I'm leaning to Kenny Atkinson more so and then Nick Nurse being my number two guy. Whereas – before, you know, when we were all talking about this, and again, these are names that we, we've talked about. So I'm not I'm not shocked that w- when you've heard all the names and, like, Monty came into the mix and it, it, Calvin Sampson came into the mix, like, for a moment, guys, I don't know about you, but I was like, what the hell's going on? Have the Milwaukee Bucks completely lost, like, track of what they're trying to do here? Um, so ultimately – to me, it's like two guys. And here's here's where I'm at in general. I've been really thinking about this long and hard because we're seeing what's happening again. Like, Spolstra is just a wizard, okay? It's insane. Like, the Boston Celtics look like the Milwaukee Bucks, okay? It, it, it's crazy. So now everybody's talking about Missoula. Well, get rid of him. Get rid of Jalen Brown. 600 million bucks between these guys. Like, Holy cow, man. Everybody's got to slow down and breathe and take a moment. You know, I was thinking like I'm joking about this, but think about it just for a quick second. The Milwaukee Bucks lose to the Miami Heat in in five. We're all freaking out and we're calling for Bud's head, right? Now look at what they're doing once again to Boston. Now people are calling for Missoula's head. Maybe the Bucks should rehire Bud again. Like, Freaking A, it's insane, it's crazy, right? Like, so, and obviously I'm just joking. But but here's my point to what I'm saying to you. At the end of the day, what is the constant thing that we're, we're learning here? We're learning that if you don't get past a certain point, your job is could could very well be in jeopardy, right? But But, but we're also learning that, you know what? Sometimes... You got to just let people figure things out. And, and and ultimately, 
What's the only change that that all of these teams are going to wind up making, whether it's our Milwaukee Bucks, whether it's Toronto, whether it winds up being the Pistons, right? Whether it's the Philadelphia 76ers. What's the the only thing that all these teams are doing, guys, if you ask me? It's they're all lateral moves first and foremost, okay? And and ultimately, you want to hear a message from a different voice. Like seriously, I've thought about this. I've contemplated this, Stephen Hirsch. I, I, I've thought about this so much. So at the end of the day, to me, I feel like all of these moves are lateral. So so it comes down to, I'm tired of hearing that message from so-and-so. I'm going to give this guy an opportunity and a shot. Because what is the difference from one guy to the next? Not all that much when you really think about it. So why not give a Kenny Atkins a job, like a chance? Why not give Griffin a chance? Why not give those guys a chance? And if you're going to stay with like a head coaching situation, I do think Nick Nurse is the guy. So I like Kenny Atkinson. Then I like Nick Nurse. That's where my head's at, Stephen. Yeah, I mean, I – I too honestly like the idea of Kenny Atkinson a little bit more than Nick Nurse. I know there were some reports with Nick Nurse about how he struggled to get along with his players. And I don't know if that could present like an issue with, you know, the Bucks' great culture that they've worked so hard to build. With Kenny Atkinson, he had a head coaching job in Brooklyn. He had an exciting team with D'Angelo Russell, Jared Allen, et cetera. Uh, then he moved on and got fired and then moved on to be an assistant coach with the Warriors, won a championship there. I mean, I think it's a pretty cool fit with the Bucs. You know, he gets a second chance. He's a new set of eyes, like you said. I mean, Hirsch, I know you like Nick Nurse, but how, how do you like the idea of uh, Kenny Atkinson? Yeah, I kind of agree a lot with uh, with Andy's sentiment. Um, you know, we, we talked a lot about, I think on the last podcast, about, you know, we were kind of warming up to the idea of maybe having that rookie head coach that could bring, you know, a, a young, new kind of like voice to the team. But after what I'm seeing in this Boston Celtics series with Joe Missoula, just he just looks so in over his head. I truly think that we need someone with some experience. Um, I personally think that Nick Nurse is the better head coach. Um, but yeah, no, Kenny Atkinson still has the experience, still has been a head coach, um, has had multiple job offers while he's been an assistant with the Warriors. And yeah, I'm happy with that. But I definitely would rank Griffin lowest out of the three for sure. You know, I, I'm listening and I'm hearing what you're saying. And I, I, I just got to say, like, I'm sorry. We're not given – you were on this, Hirsch. You were on this way in the beginning, man. We're not giving the Miami Heat enough credit, okay? Like, let's really talk about this. Think about it. They made – Giannis and Drew and Cash look pretty, pretty normal, pretty usual. You know, like they're doing the same thing to to Tatum and Brown guys. Like those guys go six for seventeen and six for eighteen, and and now you know you're saying Missoula's in over his head. I don't, I don't know if I necessarily agree with that. And and I know everybody's like, this guy's got to go. We let's not spend all the money on these two guys because they're looking at like breaking the bank let's be honest 600 million probably between those two guys because they made those all the all team that the the all nba teams which puts them in a position you know to get those super max deals right so it's i i just all i'm trying to say is sometimes we think the grass is greener on the other side and I'm all about what what the Bucks did. I'm not I'm not telling you I'm changing my mind, but but I am saying when, when you look at the firing frenzy that happened because of teams not getting to where they were supposed to get to or or to the potential that that they had, right? I, I almost feel like in a lot of ways, I, I think people reacted extremely quick. Instead of just kind of like sitting back and just taking it in for a moment and saying, you know what? We actually have good guys. We have good players. And 
for whatever reason, the Bucks went bad for 10 days in a row. Look what's happening to Boston again. Like the same freaking thing, guys. Okay. And, and and their their run at this might be shorter than the Bucks. They they're they're looking like they're gonna get swept, right? Like at least the Bucks got gentlemen swept. I mean, look, you had one thing, right, Steven, a gentleman sweep, but it was the other way around. Like, like, I mean, honestly, we I, I just feel like in some cases, we're not giving enough credit to the guys that are going out there and just imposing their will and, and playing so free and, and, and so together. And, and like, I am impressed as all freaking hell with the Miami Heat and what Eric Spolstra has these guys doing. It, it's honestly, it's beyond remarkable, guys. It's, it is miraculous, Stephen. So I just think in a weird way, I think the Bucks made the right move. I think the message that Bud was giving was stale. I think I think everything they chose to do, I have no problem with. But I look at what the domino effect was from that. And now I'm saying to myself, did 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 some teams react because of what Milwaukee did, right? And in Milwaukee's case, I think it was warranted. I don't think he made good decision, changing decisions, like didn't do it. No adjustments like that happened. That's real. So, so there were reasons for why we wanted Bud to be gone. It wasn't because we don't like, none of us think he did a bad job. The guy wanted like 70% during the regular season and about 60% in the postseason. It's just that the expectations that we had, they didn't meet them. And, and ultimately, it's easier to get rid of the one guy than it is to get rid of 12. But but that's my point. Like, the Boston Celtics are cold now, too. The Bucks went cold. Maybe Miami just is playing that good, Stephen. Maybe it just is that – it's that freaking simple. Uh, no, yeah, for sure. Miami is definitely a lot better of a basketball team than anybody gave them credit. And, and I mean anybody – even their fans, I mean, I'm sure none of their fans expected them to be where they are right now, up 3-0 on the two seed, beat the one seed in uh, the first series in four or five games. But I, I agree with Hurst, though. I think Missoula's over his head. I think he is the definition of a bus rider coach. He gets carried by the talent on that roster. I mean, on paper, the Celtics are one of the best rosters on in the league. So much talent up and throughout that roster. So... I, I think Missoula has gotten out coached by Spolstra, similar to how Bud did. Uh, do did the teams react uh, due to uh, the Milwaukee Bucks firing Bud? Maybe, maybe I see that. Uh, I just think that a lot of these teams just—it was like kind of their year to win it. I mean, the Sixers—it was they thought it was their year to win it. Doc Rivers imploded in the playoffs like usual. Time for him to go, anyways. His job's always on the hot seat. Coach Budenholzer had his uh, job on the hot seat two years ago or two years ago. Missoula shouldn't have been there in the first place. So I just think it goes to show that maybe the coaching right now in the NBA isn't too great. That that, that could be a good point. Go ahead, Hirsch. I, I know you want to say something, but I, I think that's a decent point. I think the coaching level in general might just be down. Yeah, I, I like that point. But all I, all I was saying about Missoula being in over his head is that I don't like hiring a rookie head coach for a team that has championship expectations. I'm all for hiring a rookie head coach to set a culture with young players, like with the Rockets or with the Pistons or with these rebuilding teams. But when it comes to uh, an experienced championship contender team with the superstars and the culture in place and the fan base that has so much expectations for the team to do well, I don't think bringing in a rookie head coach is the way to go. And th and that's very clear with the way Missoula has been handling his job. And I think that's why the Bucs need to go with a nurse or an Atkinson, someone with that head coaching and that playoff experience. that's not going to get flustered like Missoula has. Well, your guy, your guy, Nick nurse was a rookie head coach back when he won his first championship with the Raptors. I mean, I just think you got to start somewhere. I just think Missoula in general is just not a very good head coach. That's kind of where I'm at with him. I think he's bad. All right. So I I understand where, where both of you are coming from, but but let me be the voice of reason. Wasn't Missoula there with him last year? 
He was on the pine, right? He was with them. He's extremely familiar with with that roster. Dude, when when, when things go bad, guys, again, it's really easy to blame one guy. And, And that guy isn't even on the floor. Come on now. Like, dude, he didn't shoot six for 17. He didn't shoot six for 18. He didn't decide to shoot a bunch of three freaking pointers and not take the ball to the rack. Like, come on. So so some of this stuff, like, I'm sorry. I I don't necessarily agree with with the line of thought. I think Missoula is actually a a pretty good coach that that right now he's lost his team. For whatever freaking reason that is, okay, whether it's because like they don't like the way that he is going out and and making his substitutions, because there's one thing that you guys haven't brought up, and that that's like what is he doing with Robert Williams? Because when I'm watching the game, Robert Williams looks like he's playing extremely well when he's on the floor, and he's like causing all kinds of havoc and chaos and blocking shots and this that and the other. So I don't want to get away from the, the whole coaching aspect, but guys got to do what they do, man. And, and, and I said this to you earlier in the post in, in this postseason. I didn't think that Brown and Tatum were playing all that great throughout the whole playoffs this year. Like they're not the same. I know he had the 51 point night. Like, okay, he had one great game, but dude, he was doing that on a on a regular last year in the postseason the the combination of those two guys last year was just better okay like so so a little bit of coaching and a little bit of what the players aren't doing on that floor equals a freaking disaster guys and and that you have to give credit to Miami for causing that disaster it's not all like it's not all Jalen Brown's fault and it ain't all Jason Tatum's fault. And it sure as hell isn't all Missoula's fault who isn't even on the damn floor. So like, come on, man, you can put so much on the coach and dude, we saw that dude take the whole blame. I'm sorry, man. That wasn't what he was supposed to do. And when he said, I didn't have them ready again, man, he ain't the guy running up and down the damn floor. His players are the guys running up and down the floor. And when they run up and down the floor, like they're not interested, man, I'm sorry. But but that's on them, guys. That ain't on a coach. Well, I would argue that a motivational question for the team and them quitting on them quitting on their coach is bad coaching in and of itself. The coach needs to be there to motivate the players to play hard which is clearly what Eric Spolstra has done with the Heat. Eric Spolstra, they almost lost in the bubble in the in the play-in twice. They they lost their first game. They almost lost in that Bulls game and they can and they won and then they they and then Eric Spolstra has instilled a culture and a set of and a set of values within his players along with the leadership of Jimmy Butler that they will never quit on their team. They will never give up. And clearly the Boston Celtics quit on their team in game three. They quit on their city. They quit on their coach. They quit on their fan base. They got blown off the floor and they lost by almost 40. So I think that does have to do with bad coaching. I mean, I, I, there's no other way to put it. Look, again, let, let's agree to disagree because at the end of the day, you tell me how many times Missoula ran up and down the floor and how many shots that he missed. Okay. And, and when you can tell me that he missed a bunch of shots and that he was running up and down the floor and not defending guys, I'll, I'll, I'll listen to what you're telling me. But again, man, I'm telling you, they look like the Milwaukee bucks. I'm sorry, guys, but that's the freaking truth. They look like the Milwaukee bucks. They look like a team that's defeated because the other team has taken their heart and soul. And, and you, you talk about Jimmy buckets, man, like, I'm sorry, but that, that dude, I want I want to go to war with that guy any day and twice on Sundays, okay? Because you know what? He says, give me four dudes and I'm going to beat you. That, that's what he's doing. He's playing with a bunch of undrafted guys that are just playing extremely well, so free and with so much confidence. So, look, to a certain point, yes, Eric Spolstra is, is ensuing his guys and, and motivating them the right way. But I'm going to go – Go on this with you, okay, man. And I'm I'm gonna hit you with something that that ultimately should be the motivator, man. And the motivator is is you want to keep playing while everybody else is watching. And ultimately, these guys make a 
crap load of money. So the motivator, man, should be that they want to outdo their peers. And, and when guys don't get paid contracts and, and this and that and the other, it's because their peers outperform them with what they did on the floor. So ultimately, again, man, we may not like a guy's scheme. We may not like a guy's message, but but ultimately it's up to the players to go out there and play. So as much as I blame Bud, we're going to go, let, let's go back full circle here to the coaching aspect. As much as I blame Bud, I equally blame the players, guys. Like, dude, this was a, a team effort to go out there and collapse. Boston Celtics, it's a team effort right now for them to go out there and collapse. Like, I'm sorry. Missoula right now is freaking searching. Absolutely. You got that right. But but he he's a 34 or 35-year-old guy. And you know what? I'm sorry, but they're going to be right back there. Like, if they can somehow keep this together, they're going to be right back there, guys. So, so I say this is the one guy that ain't going to get fired. And I hope I'm right because he's too young to, to fire him because his players didn't go out there and, and play the way that they're capable of, guys. At the end of the day, 6 for 17 and 6 for 18 from your two-star players? Dude, come on. Put a little blame on the guys that are actually playing, Steven. Well, Tatum Tatum in game three played out of his gourd. I mean, he was beyond ridiculous, almost dropping a uh, – or sorry, game two, I meant. In game two, Tatum, sorry, was was ridiculous. So uh, Jalen Brown, I think, does need to step up. If we're talking individual performance, Jalen Brown needs to be more consistent. He needs to stop turning the ball over. He needs to be more aggressive and make his shots when they matter. But Joe Missoula has just – he's been negligent. He do, they, they don't double-team Jimmy Butler nearly enough. They – Who has? Who has? Who's double that, – that's a great point, but who the frick has double-teamed Jimmy Buckets? Nobody. Like, what the hell's wrong with every coach? What's, why don't the dudes on the floor just say, man, we got to go get the ball out of this guy's hands? So, again, a little bit of this, I agree – but a little bit, you got to put on the players. If it ain't working, guys, do something different. What's the definition of insanity? Doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. Bam. Yeah, I mean, how, how, would, how, would, how would firing Joe Missoula be doing the exact same thing with a different result? Like, how would that be insane for the Celtics to do? No, you, you, you're misinterpreting what I'm saying. When you're playing a certain style and uh -oh. it's not working, gotcha. then you need to go and change. And ultimately, with Joe Missoula, here's where I'm at with him. Because like you said, this guy's a rookie coach, man. This is his first crack at this. So, so the fact that he's stumbling a little bit, and, and you, you said that his players were bailing him out, well, where the hell are his players to bail him out now, guys? They're sure as hell not doing that. Like, I'm sorry. Did you see Smart on the court the other day? He was anything but Smart. He's, like, taking cuts at people. Come on, man. Again, like, are, are you guys really watching what's happening? Or are you just reacting like everybody else and saying, oh, we got to fire a coach. Another coach should get fired. I'm sorry, guys. But, uh, like, players make plays. The Miami Heat are making plays. Your coaches live and die by the way that guys go out there and perform. That that that's the truth. And and yes, we have to have a coach that has a good message, and, and you have to buy into what that dude is selling. For some reason, whatever reason, right now, because things have gone bad for for Boston, they ain't buying in anymore. And, and quite frankly, when you really think about this. The most steady team out of all of them that is left is actually the Denver Nuggets because they, they didn't go too high at one point in the season and then totally drop off. Like, think about the Boston Celtics season. The Boston Celtics were great in the beginning of the year. 
And then as the season went on, they, they kind of just slid their way through. And, and when they realized they weren't going to have the number one seed, they, they kind of faltered down the stretch. Like Philadelphia, a little bit similar. Okay. They, they, they did the same. You, you, you look at the, the Suns, like they were trying to figure all the teams that are not out. Like they, they played a, the Lakers. They played better after the All-Star break to get in. Miami, let's – dude, Miami was basically playing playoff basketball for the last couple months of the season, right? So so in a weird way, what we got, I, I'm, I'm ultimately at the end of the day after really thinking about it and digesting everything that's happened with all the coaching moves and, and who came out of this early or too early and all that crap, it kind of makes some sense to me that we're down to the Denver Nuggets, who were the best team ultimately in the Western Conference, and they're going to wind up beating Phil, uh, the, the Lakers, whether it's a sweep or a gentleman sweep. Who cares? They're, they're going on, man. They're, they're going to the finals. And now, and now Miami, it's hard-pressed to say they ain't doing the same thing, okay? So, so ultimately, those two teams were playing extremely well coming into the playoffs, and, and Denver tapered things down so that, Joker could go out there and show everybody that he's the true MVP and not only Mark Jackson, but everybody that didn't vote for that guy got it completely wrong. So I, I, I think to, to put the argument to bed about this whole coaching concept and idea, Kenny Atkinson, I, I think, I think that would be the guy for the bucks. If not, I do like Nick nurse. I don't think you, I don't think you fire Missoula if, if you're the Boston Celtics. I think you figure out if you want to invest in Tatum and Brown because it's going to be damn near six hundred million between those two guys, okay? And that just sounds like an insane amount of money to put on two guys. So they're going to have to figure something out, quick, fast, and in a hurry. Philadelphia, their situation again, Harden's opting out. This. Who the hell is going to pay that guy? I'm sorry, but it don't make much sense to me. And then you get rid of Doc Rivers, which Embiid didn't really like. Like Again, there, there, there's so much going on, guys, on so many different levels that I think the these moves for these coaching positions are so important in every one of these organizations' um, futures, including the Phoenix Suns, like big time, man. So – I'm really, really looking forward to seeing how all these teams make their selection and what course they're going to move forward with. We're going to take a quick break and come back with some NBA conference finals talk. Remember, this is the Bucks and Six podcast. We're here with Andy Dorf, and both series are at 3-0. Welcome back to the Bucks and Six podcast. My name is Stephen Dorf, and alongside me is my co-host, Hershey Winkleman. And you're listening to the syndicated sports talk show host, Andy Dorf from Dorf on Sports. Uh, we uh, just talked a little bit about the uh, Celtics and Heat series, but I want to kind of wrap some things up with that. Uh, they're up, uh, Celtics are up, or sorry, Heat are up 3-0 on the Celtics right now. Complete shock to the sports world. Um, obviously, Hirsch and I are on the side of, you know, Missoula needs to step up. I do think the Celtics players as a whole need to play better, but I know Andy, you you think that the Celtics need to step up as well as the Heat have played a phenomenal playoff. So I don't know where where do we kind of want to resolve this whole uh, Eastern Conference series. Look, at the end of the day, sometimes y'all just got to tip your hat and say these guys are playing extremely well. Um, they're playing with a lot of confidence. They're playing with a ton of emotion. They're playing with a ton of pride. I'm sure y'all watched the the post game with Kenny Shaq, Charles, EJ, and they have Vincent on there after the game. And I'm listening to EJ, and he's he's trying to like put it all in in perspective and say to to Vincent, you know, you you guys are a bunch of undrafted players and. Nobody respected you and this and that and the other. And I I almost thought it was interesting the way that Vincent responded. 
Because I would have said, look, man, you know what? At the end of the day, I'm an NBA basketball player. And the fact that every team, including his own team, okay, including the Miami Heat, none of them drafted this guy. So if you don't play with a little bit of a chip on your shoulder, I almost think there's something wrong with that individual. So I would have liked him to just be like, look, man, I, I take a personal. And I, I, I know I'm as good as the starters. I know I'm as good as the bench guys. And I, I belong in the NBA. I almost was a little disappointed that he kind of just said, well, you know, you know, but that that's for you guys to to create your own narrative. Yes and no. But but ultimately it goes back to Jimmy Butler and how impressive this guy has been with his decision making. Um he makes the right pass. He he makes the right shot. He 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 finds the right man. He he sets the right pick. They're just so well connected. And that that's that's what I'm noticing most about them and Denver. I, I thought it was going to be Boston and Denver. I was hoping we were turning the clock back to 85 and it was going to be Boston, L.A., but that's okay. It doesn't have to be that way. But but my point in general is, is it's not shocking, it's not surprising, Stephen, when – the Miami Heat are playing the best basketball. They're out there executing. They're out there playing with passion. They're out there having fun. Uh, it, it it shouldn't be a surprise that they're doing what they are doing. When you look at the last five years, right? Like, where have they been? They've been to the finals. They've been to the Eastern Conference finals. Who's who's the guy that, that the straw that stirs that pot? It's Eric Spolstra and Jimmy Buckets, guys. So I think ultimately, are we shocked and surprised that they're, they're, they gentlemen swept the Bucks and looking very, very likely that they they could just sweep the Boston Celtics right out of the friggin' playoffs? Like, did did any of us see this scenario? Oh hell no! I, I agree with you, but but ultimately. I'm in a weird way. I'm just not shocked because they've been there, they've done it, and they they've they've been knocking on that door. So they're battle tested. They're hungry. Uh, they've got a ton of pride, like I keep saying, and their effort when they're down in games. That that that's I think that's the most impressive thing, Hershey. When when they're down, they they just keep fighting and they claw at you. So. No lead is safe in the NBA, and I'll tell you what, no lead is definitely safe with the Miami Heat. I think, what, have they won uh, 10 games now or pretty close to that where, where they're down but, in the postseason, right? Like They were like 6-2 and two when they were down 10. In, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, pretty pretty uh, gritty. Dude, they're just playing exceptionally well, so much belief. Uh, I, I, It's impressive, again, like, I I want to be disappointed that the Bucks are out. I I want to be saying like you know Boston they're not living up their po- to their potential, which I don't think either of them did, Hershey. But ultimately, there's a reason for it, and it's the Miami freaking Heat, man. They're playing extremely, extremely good basketball. Definitely, and one thing that I've noticed from the Heat a lot throughout this playoffs, and especially in the series, is just their their level of physicality. You know, I think. The way that they attack the like the the boards and the way that they attack like the passing lanes, the way that they switch their defense from man to zone to a different type of trap, like it's the the way that they've been playing defense and physicality wise. I think the Celtics just simply cannot handle it, and I don't think a lot of these teams can handle it. And I think the spearhead of that and a guy who has not gotten enough credit is Bam Adebayo. He has been coming up with consistently clutch. Big plays down the stretch. I remember in, I, th- I think it was the last, yeah, game three, he he got an offensive rebound on a Jimmy Butler miss over Al Horford and just dunked it super hard and started screaming. And that clearly, you know, brought some more energy to the team and that Brett started another run. That's the kind of heart and energy and just like 
effort and you know physicality you need from from your from your star big man. He's one of their two blue chip guys that they have now that Hero's out, and, and everyone else on the team is just is just you know they're young, they're role players, and uh, although they the, those guys are making an argument that they deserve a bag, guys like Gabe Vincent and Max Strus, they deserve to get paid. Look, I just want to say something real quick, Stephen, before you jump in. I think it's so interesting because you brought up an awesome point. No Tyler Hero, who we know that dude can drop buckets. And and in a weird way, they're moving the ball better without him on the floor. And, and we're not talking about Victor Oladipo either. I, I don't know. Like, to me, he was an X factor. I don't know what he would have given them. But it could have been extremely special. We just don't know. But ultimately, here's 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 the point. And then Stephen, take it from here. What you just said is they're getting a total team effort. Like it's Bam, it's Vincent, it's Struess, it it it's Jimmy Buckets. Kyle dude, Lowry. It's it's it's, it's Kyle Lowry. It's 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 Caleb, right? Like, dude, it's anybody that they put on the floor, guys. So so again, I don't want to harp on the coaching thing, but yes, Eric Spolstra is coaching circles around everybody, and he has instilled so much confidence in these guys. Like, there's something that I took away the other night from from TNT and what those guys were saying, and it, it to me it's it's really valid. A coach doesn't necessarily give you confidence, but a coach sure as hell can take your confidence away by not playing you. Not Duncan Robinson, we haven't talked about him. Like, dude, that guy was MI freaking A. Now look at him on the court. Not only is he not only could he hit buckets from like three-point land, did you see him drive into the hoop too? So so again, there, there's a certain amount of of confidence that that these guys are playing with and, and they've been instilled that because of what they're doing on the floor but they've also gotten the green light from their coach so steven the miami heat are an extremely impressive bunch and the fact that they're up 3-0 it's so crazy because i'm in a group text with 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 a few people and we were joking about this but now we're not joking about it because after game one we're like oh what if what if the heat sweep the boston celtics and and now after game three i said it, it looks like that sweep is more and more likely than not likely let's just say it like it is it's an insane run by the miami heat guys and more props and more kudos to them for the effort that they're putting out on the floor it's incredible, Steven. I mean, yeah. Have you ever seen a team like hit the floor so much and just dive so much, just make so many cuts and just run? They, they run, they play so well. It's like it's like the most fluid pickup basketball you'll ever see with how like well the guys can make backdoor cuts. Uh, they'll, they'll set the high screen and roll, and then bam, we'll cut to the hoop, pass it out three. It's just beautiful basketball. And yeah, it's just hard-nosed basketball at the end of the day. And I agree. It's, it's been really crazy to watch, and they play hard, really, really, really hard. Is it fair to say, guys, that the Denver Nuggets and the Miami Heat are playing the best brand of basketball, and it's not shocking that they're having fun and they're winning both at the same time, Hershey. Yeah, definitely. I think that's a great, I think that's a great point. I think both of them are playing like the best teams on the planet. I think, you know, with that, you know, you bringing up the nuggets, let's switch gears over to the West. Um, I know you and Steve are both pretty confident, or I guess I know Steve was pretty confident in the Lakers coming into this one. I know you, you were kind of rooting for, you know, that, that eighties, Matt, that bird magic matchup again, but this yeah. time Tatum Braun and, Brown and Davis, but uh looks like neither of those are gonna happen. Um with both teams on the verge of being swept. Uh you know Brown is 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 shooting one of his poorest three point uh percentage playoff playoff performances ever. Um as yeah, the you know, the Nuggets go up three zero. Jamal Murray's been playing out of his mind. And so I just would like I would like to know what your thoughts are on that series for sure. Insane, right? Like a week ago, or when the last time you guys had me on the podcast, we were obviously praising LeBron and the effort that he was throwing out there on the floor because dude was looking like he was 26 or 28 in his prime. 
And then all of a sudden they match up with the Denver Nuggets and it's a completely different ball game out there. And all of a sudden the Los Angeles Lakers are a step slow. Uh, guys aren't getting to their assignments. It, it It's strange. Like for some weird reason, they were so locked in and they were so ready to play the Golden State Warriors, right? Like they had a great defensive scheme. And, and I don't know, quite frankly, like let, let's compare this because you bring up an interesting point about Jamal Murray dude's back. Okay. Like let, let, let's, let's, let's give that guy some serious credit. Dude, dude's back. And, and dude is a force uh, on the floor. Like I, I remember how good that guy was before the injury. He looks like that guy again to me, but, but here's what's weird to me. And I think I have the answer, but I'm going to toss it to y'all first. It seemed like they figured out a way to make things a lot more difficult on Steph than they are on Jamal Murray, right? What what's what's the difference? Because they both it, it's not like they're not the same player, but but they have the same dimensions. That they're they can all score. They both can score in every way. They can score long distance. They can score mid range, and they both can go to the basket, right? So so what what is the difference between Steph Curry? And Jamal Murray, and why is Jamal? Go ahead, Stephen. I'd I love to hear your answer. Why is Jamal Murray? Because I, I have a thought, and I'm, I'm curious to hear what you guys have. Why is Jamal Murray having more success than than Steph Curry? Dude, what is it? Three straight games, thirty points, five assists, five rebounds. Like, dude, this guy, it, they can't stop him. Why, Stephen Dorff? I mean. Steph Curry was, you know, he's been the the guy for the Warriors, you know, for how long now? But Jamal Murray has, you know, the luxury of playing with probably the best offensive force in basketball right now in Nikola Jokic. And I think that opens up the basketball court in so many ways for the guy. I think he gets to conserve a lot of his offensive energy for the fourth quarters like we've been seeing him do in this series. Scored like 50 points, 53 points in like the last like three, fourth quarters or something like that. I saw. I mean, he's just been on a whole nother level. And I mean, yeah, I think it has a lot to do with playing with Nikola Jokic and how much Nikola does to open up the offensive side of the basketball floor. Hershey, what what's what's your thought? My my answer would be the role player answer, um, or at least the supporting cast answer. Uh with Steph, you know. With the Warriors, Clay Thompson was really a no-show on the offensive end. Same thing with Jordan Poole. He was almost unplayable. Uh, so the Warriors' shot creation, uh, like around Steph, was almost non-existent. They were kind of relying on Wiggins. Whereas, you know, we've seen KCP drop 20 points in this series multiple times. We've seen, you know, Aaron Gordon be able to get a shot. We've seen Bruce Brown be able to get a shot. Michael Porter Jr. has been ripping the cords. Yeah. So, I like... And then you got Jokic and Murray, who are kind of just running that high pick and roll at the top of the key and just orchestrating everything while all the moving parts are moving perfectly. Whereas with the Warriors, it was just kind of Steph stagnant trying to carry them with no one else really trying to help. I don't disagree with either of what you guys said. And I think you're I think you're onto something. But I'm gonna add a little something else to it because I think we're all onto something. I think Jamal Murray's a little more physical too. I think he's a tougher guard because he's stronger than Steph Curry. Like ultimately, I feel like he's looking for the contact and Steph was looking to avoid the contact. So and maybe it's just like the difference in age. I don't know, you know, Steph being a little older maybe values his body a little bit more, doesn't want to get injured, but that doesn't make sense because Jamal Murray's coming off of an injury. But but to me, I just think he plays with a different physicality. And and so when, when he brings you down low, he, he's bumping you and he's getting you off your off of your mark. Whereas I don't think Steph was able to do that because those defenders were a little bit bigger, a little bit longer. Like he's able to handle that. So to me, it's the physicality aspect. And obviously, you brought in Michael Porter. Does that guy not have maybe the sweetest jumper from a 6'10 dude in the league or what? It's pretty. It's a thing of beauty. Um, Caldwell Pope, you mentioned him. Again, the, the 
he has championship pedigree, right? He came from the Lakers when they won, and he's also a guy that that makes good plays. Great defender. Like Brown, you talked about him. Guy can score, guy can hop, guy can play defense. What we're talking about, again, it, it's a team effort, right? Like the, the Boston Celtics aren't getting that same team effort. The Miami Heat are getting a great team effort. The Lakers were getting they, they were getting the team effort, dude. Where where's where's the Lonnie Walker game, right? Where where is that? Where where's his game? Didn't did, not happening in this series. Where where's where's the Schroeder game? Not happening, right? So so those two teams collectively are getting it from everybody every night, Hirsch. Yeah, I would just argue that, you know, with the Lakers, I think their role players have played pretty well in this series other than D'Angelo Russell. I, I think their struggle has mostly come from their top two guys just simply being outplayed. True, but that that's huge. When when you're not getting 20 points from D'Angelo Russell, that, that puts more pressure on Reeves to go out there who has been down this series too. Like, yes and no. Again, again, so – I put some blame on Tatum and Brown. I'm going to put, I said it like I was praising LeBron after the golden state series. Now I'm sitting there going, dude, what happened in a week? How does he look old all of a sudden? Right? So it, it to me, it, it it's, it's insane how good guys can look at one moment. And if you just change a little dynamic, right? The dynamic that they change, Denver's a bigger team. They're more physical. Like that to me is the biggest difference in this series. They're going to the back. That that's what I love. So you got me thinking again. That's what I love about Jokic and what he does. And it's so different from what Giannis does. It's so different from what Embiid does. That dude gets the ball and then he goes to a spot where he can get even lower, right? Where he's going to have more angles for himself and everybody else. So so really pay attention to what Jokic does when he gets the ball. He goes right to the basket, guys. And, and I'm not saying that Giannis doesn't. It's different. He does it with his back to the basket. That's what I'm saying. You look at where he gets the ball. He gets the ball right there, right on, right on the lip, right? He gets it right at the, at, the, at the free throw line. But where does he go from there? He goes with his back to the basket. What does Giannis do? He comes at you head first. What does Embiid do? Embiid sometimes takes you out back. Like, yo, Joker doesn't want to take that three-pointer. Do you see how many times he hesitated to take it the other day? And then finally they're leaving the guy so freaking open. He's like, okay, fine, I'll burn you from here too. Like the guy makes the right play all the time. We talk about Jimmy Butler making the right play. We, we, we've talked about who's playing the best. Those two guys are playing the best, okay? It's flat down, hands down, whatever you want to say. Those dudes are inspiring their team, and they are playing – Hands down, the best out of any guys in the postseason. And you can go 1A and 1B. I, I don't know who's playing better. It, it looks like Jokic is playing better to me only because he gets a triple-double like every single game, right? Jimmy Butler's pretty close, though. They're right there, neck and neck. So, again, you're talking about a team doing what they're doing. That's why Denver's doing what they're doing to the Lakers, Hirsch. So I actually, so we talk about, uh, we were talking about how Missoula as a rookie head coach, you know, down 3-0 in his series. Let's talk about Darvin, Darvin Ham. Ham a little bit. I mean, we, you know, we all love Darvin Ham, you know, coming from the box, great assistant coach for us for a couple of years, but he's down 3-0 now. And, uh, you know, he's, I mean, that team, you know, like you said, it's, they don't look very good. I mean, they had game two, they fought back or they were, they were close all game, game one, they fought back game three. It's just, they look out, they look like they're out of it. So are you thinking that Darvin is over his head too, or is it just a matter of that like Denver's a better team and they're playing better? Or or, or is this all on Darvin Ham? Is it Darvin Ham's fault, guys? Because you bring up a great point now. You're blaming it all on Missoula. Are you blaming it all on, on Darvin Ham too? 
I mean, I think he deserves a share of the blame for sure. I mean, you're down 3-0 in any series. I mean, I get that the Nuggets are more talented, but he has LeBron James. He has Anthony Davis. It's not like he doesn't have anything, and I get the guys aren't playing up to their standards, but it's not like Anthony Davis didn't give him a 40-point game. LeBron James, I get, was struggling in game three. He's been struggling uh, from three all series, but he still does everything else pretty dang well on the court. I mean, does Darvin Ham need to do something different? Or should so he have made- something different in games one through three? So he made the adjustment, right, when he brought Hachimura on to the court uh, on Joker, and that seemed to be pretty effective that game. I I think you got to give credit to Mike Malone and the Denver Nuggets here. They, they made the necessary adjustments, and to your point, whether it boils down to Darvin Ham not making these adjustments or the fact that maybe LeBron's gassed, Maybe he is just flat out gassed. Okay. Like he put so much into that second series. Like I, I want to, I want to meet you halfway here. I, I want to. And I, and I, I think Darvin Ham is a really good coach. And, and you know what? He's done a phenomenal job. Think about where they were. They were two and 10. They, they weren't going to make the postseason. They had to play in the tur- the play-in tournament. They were losing to the T-Wolves, right? They, they had to come back in that game to win it. They beat Memphis. They, they beat – they wind up winning the second round and beating Golden State. So, so again, like, I'm going to go back to Giannis, man. There's no failure in sports, according to Giannis. We can agree to disagree to a certain degree. But ultimately, like, Hirsch, you first. Is this a successful season for the Los Angeles Lakers if they lose in the Western Conference Finals to the Denver Nuggets, who were the number one seed? Like, honestly, to me, this is not a failure, guys. This is relatively impressive from Darvin Ham, from LeBron, from AD, and the rest of these dudes that they put together at the All-Star break. So ultimately, some of what Giannis said I can agree with. There's not always failure in sports. I think this is successful for the Los Angeles Lakers, Stephen. And yeah, let me just throw something out there too. I think there's a big difference between the situations that Darvin Ham and Joe Mazzulla were in. I mean, Joe Mazzulla essentially stepped into an ideal situation in a perfect world, whereas Darvin Ham, I guess, you know, he had LeBron James and he had Anthony Davis, but the rest of the roster, it was a horrible fit and he made it work. I mean, his job was on the hot seat from day one and now he's in the conference finals. So I, I think there's a pretty big difference between Missoula and Ham in terms of what they've done this year. But uh, in terms of the the, the question of is, is this season a failure for the Lakers? I mean, no. Yeah, I think the way that they're going out is definitely going to leave a very sour taste in everyone's, uh, you know, everyone's mind. But outside of that, it, it's been a great run. They beat Curry. They beat uh, they beat the number two seed uh, Grizzlies with John Morant, Desmond Bain, Dylan Brooks. I think you bring up a good point. It leaves a bad taste in their mouth, right? So so hopefully the Bucks have a really bad taste in their mouth too. Okay. Let let let's bring it all home. Hopefully the Milwaukee Bucks have a really bad taste. And I hope Giannis is like he's so disgusted he's got to keep spitting it out of his mouth. And he's in the gym, he's in the lab working on that free throw shooting because a couple more free throws. Maybe we're talking a different story. Who the hell freaking knows? And maybe if he doesn't get knocked out early, maybe we're talking different too. Again, so much happened. But 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 ultimately, I don't look at this as a failure. And I think what Darvin Ham was able to accomplish with this team, it it, it it's really positive. To me, it it it's positive. And, and I'm gonna just say this. I know the Lakers are down 3-0, Hirsch. I know that. And I know Miami's up 3-0. Miami looks more in control to me than Denver does, but they both look like they're in control, okay? Games one and two could have gone either way. Game three was anybody's game till midway in the fourth quarter as well. So so to say that the Lakers haven't competed, I, I again, I, I don't, I'm not buying into that. They're down 3-0. But it, it's not the same way that Boston, at least in my opinion, 
is down 3-0. The, the Lakers, they're going to go down fighting. That, 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 that I'll guarantee you. And, and I wouldn't be shocked and surprised if they force it to get back to Denver. Denver could get a little complacent because they, they have so many games to fall back on. And, and LeBron has pride. I expect I expect the Lakers to play a, a really, really good game for her. And I don't know if I expect Boston to play a really good game for her. Yeah, I think I, I personally think both are going to be a sweep. I, I just don't think that the Lakers have what it takes to beat the Snuggets team. I think they're demoralized. No team has ever come back down 3-0, and it's not going to be this team, um, especially not with the inconsistency of Anthony Davis offensively as well as the LeBron James' struggles from behind the arc. I mean, if if, if they're not going to have those two guys playing at, a, at a, you know, an all-NBA level, kind of like, you know, when Kyrie was at his, like, peak and LeBron and they were both dropping 40 a night at the same time on the same team in the same series, like, they're going to need to have some some miraculous performance if they have any – if they think that they have any chance of coming back down 3-0. But, yeah, so I think both are going to be a sweep. And I don't think winning this next game matters at all for them because they're just going to lose the next one. So I think they're just going to come out with pretty flat. I think this, I think the nuggets are going to look to put them away pretty early. Uh, yeah, yeah, I I remember, remember when uh, the warriors are up three, one on the Cavs. It was Owen 32 for a team to come back three, one LeBron James. He did it. I mean, if there's ever a guy to come back from Oh three, I don't think it's going to happen necessarily, but LeBron James would be the guy to make it happen. Not, not 38, not 38 year old LeBron dude. No. Yeah, I I think we're we're in a different time. I think we're in a different place. And I, I I again I think it goes back to there's two teams that are playing with a ton of confidence. There's two teams that they're getting contributions from anybody that they put on the floor. Okay, and it it it's not the same with the Boston Celtics, and it ain't the same with the LA Lakers at this point in time. I think they're defeated. I think mentally uh, th- this has been a-, a real challenge because I think I think we all thought these were going to be closer series. I-, I really thought both of these go six or seven. So I- I'm extremely shocked and surprised that the way it's turning out is the way it's turning out. But I do think the Lakers have played Denver relatively well. They've just wound up on the wrong side at the end of the game. They they have less points, and they're not they're not doing things down the stretch. Miami, they're kicking Boston's ass. Okay, like there's no other way to put it. Okay, uh, I'll leave you with this because I know we're up against it. I don't know if you guys happen to catch the, the PGA Championship over the weekend. Okay. Because this is kind of goes along with what Steven said about LeBron and having a little belief. You have to believe. You have to think you can do what nobody else has done. And we're all going to say it can't happen until it does happen. So I'm going to share a really cool story because I don't know if y'all were paying attention. A guy by the name of Michael Block went out to the PGA Championship. He's a club pro, okay? He's a nobody. But you know what, fellas? That guy had the weekend of his life. He had the belief. He had the desire to go out there and compete with the best in the world. And you know what he did? He absolutely knocked it out of the park. Dude finishes top. Top 15, and the whole world all of a sudden knows who Michael Block is, okay? He's a club pro from Mission Viejo, California. He was somewhere in, like, the the neighborhood of 4,000 ranked player in the world. He's now in the top 600 after one of the most remarkable things that I have ever seen in sports. So to Steven Dorf's point, if there is one guy that can get this done, it probably is LeBron James. But like my man Hershey said, he's got to keep you down to earth a little bit, Steven Dorf. I don't know if a 38-year-old LeBron James can do that. 
So we got Denver, we got Miami, and I can't wait to talk to you all about the NBA Finals as soon as that happens. And with that, that'll be it for today's episode of the Bucks and Six podcast. We'd like to thank our guest, Andy Dorr from Dorf on Sports, for joining us on today's show. Make sure to check him out on SiriusXM channel 967, as well as iHeartRadio and the Sport Byline. Make sure to leave a like, download, subscribe, and check us out on social media, on Twitter and Instagram at Bucks and Six FFSN, and now on Facebook at Milwaukee Bucks FFSN. I'm Hershey Winkleman, and he's Stephen Dorff. Let's go, Bucks! Let's go!